This is our uh, fifth installment in our Imitators and Examples uh, series in 1 Thessalonians. And um, Paul has written this letter to encourage a dynamic church, a church that's dynamic in that in a very short order in the course of maybe a month or, or two of missionary activity by Paul, Silas, and Timothy, this church has received the message, it has uh, turned from idols, it has begun to share the gospel not only in their city, but throughout Greece and all throughout Christendom at that time. To the point where Paul and Timothy and Silas, as they are moving from town to town in the Roman world, they're already hearing when they get to a town of this new dynamic church in Thessalonica. And so he is tremendously excited about that. So one of the things that uh, I'm doing in this series, starting in chapter uh, 2, going from verses 1, and today focusing on 9 through 12, is we see a pattern of, of effective disciple-making that um, we, need to, we need to model. Last week, we talked about being a bold and trustworthy messenger. And we also talked about being a loving and self-sacrificial shepherd. Today, as we continue talking about the essentials of effective disciple-making, we're going to talk about the, the need to be uh, to model holiness, for a disciple-maker to model holiness, and for a disciple-maker to be a skillful coach. So those are the two components that we're going to focus on this week. Let's jump right into it. A disciple-maker models holiness. First Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached to you the gospel to, to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. The holiness, righteousness, blamelessness, that Paul, Timothy, and Silas displayed were seen in their boldness and proclamation, in their trustworthiness, their, their motivations being pure, in their gentleness of their love, in their tremendous self-sacrifice, working night and day in order to be able to preach the gospel uh, freely. Their holiness has been demonstrated in everything that they have tried to model for the, the Thessalonians. And holiness is this quality of being pure that is um, distinct from sin, separate from sin, and set apart after the pattern of God that is devoted to God for his distinct purposes. Um, that is the quality of, of holiness that we're talking about this morning. And um, when it comes to modeling holiness, all of us need some good models. Uh, I was watching a, a Gospel Coalition video not, a little while back, and a, a couple of persons who are friends of mine gave testimony about uh, how uh, one younger pastor learned about godliness and holiness through an older pastor. Um, Charlie Dates uh, pastors in Chicago, and he was a student at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in 2002 and got to a point in his development when he needed to do a pastoral internship. And um, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Dates 
and Dr. Copeland all both went to the University of Illinois, so they knew each other, but not super well. So Dates reached out to um, uh, Copeland and said, hey, I need this internship. Would you be willing to let me come to your church and learn? And he said, cool, come on, come on out. So every weekend, and Charlie would drive from Trinity to Rockford and spend the weekend with uh, Pastor Copeland and his family and his children and, and going to church, following him around, doing whatever that was asked of him. And um, uh, Ed Copeland said to him one thing. He said, listen, there's room for you. Here's the key to the room. There's food in the refrigerator. I got one instruction for you. Everything good, positive, you see me do. Whether here at home with my family or at the church, I want you to copy. And everything that you see that's not right, not good, I want you to talk to me about it and not do it. Now, Copeland is a godly man, but he knows that he's not perfect. So he wanted to give him effective instruction. So Charlie's lived with him for two years. What turned into a semester investment turned into a two-year investment of pouring into him, learning, uh, teaching Charlie about holiness in a practical fashion. Now, the very interesting thing about this is that um, Copeland is also a practicing attorney. Now, he's, he's, he's stopped practicing, but he actually learned this from another attorney, Julius Echols, who for a whole summer allowed uh, Ed to live with him, learn from him, go to court with him, read the stuff that he was reading, and grow as a disciple. Here's the point that I want to, to make to us. That when it comes to holiness, godliness is more sometimes caught than taught. That it's wonderful to have good teaching about holiness, but perhaps even better to have someone uh, demonstrate it in the ordinary aspects of life. Now, you might say to yourself, I'm a bit intimidated by this. You know, I'm not Paul, I'm not Silas, I'm not Timothy. Uh, how can I uh, put myself out there as a prime example of holiness? And I just want to encourage you in that. I want you to remember some things that if you've been at High Point for a while, you've, you've probably heard before, but if you have, I, it's, it's worth a remembering that first of all, you have received his power. Second um, Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, God has, uh, through his divine nature, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. That is to say, you've been transformed. And the power you used to have, where you were unable to stand against sin, has been put to death, and now you've got Christ's power. So you have the strength to be able to stand against it. And not only do you have the strength to stand against it, you've got the motivation to stand against that. You've got his precious promises to be with you to the very end, to meet all of your practical needs, to usher you into eternal life. You've got his precious promises to motivate you to live for him. So you do have the resources the other thing is that there's a participation that's, that is required, that, that in God's divine plan to produce holiness in you, part of it includes you obeying and living for him. And so you strive by adding to godliness, adding to faith, adding to love with perseverance and peace each and every day. 
And it is an ongoing struggle, an ongoing um, privilege to be able to grow in holiness in God's power. You participate in that. And then lastly, there's grace. So that if you fail, when you fail, just like Pastor Copeland said, he said to Charlie, there will be times when it isn't good. Come and talk to me about it. You might be able to help me with that. There's grace that God will forgive all of your sins when you confess them to him. So you can, you can grow in holiness through these fundamental things. Now, if you want to go deeper on the subject, Pastor Nick has written, uh, I think, the best book I've ever read on the subject on, on holiness called Substance. It was written in 2017, and he talks about not only the theology of holiness, he talks about the practical ramifications of holiness, and I commend it to you. You can catch it on Amazon.com uh, even today at a very minimal price. I checked it this morning, it was about nine bucks. Substance, a great book to grow on holiness. So we talked about being able uh, to model holiness. In these last two attributes of an effective disciple maker, the key that Paul wants us to get is that we need alignment between what we model and how we live. So we model holiness and we also teach it carefully as a coach. A disciple maker is a skillful coach. Let's look into that. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The really cool thing about this passage is that Paul brings out the fact that we are in a family. We have spiritual parents, folks who coach us and encourage us, those who may have led us into to Christ, and that who then stick with us in, our, in relationship with us and train us in godliness. And uh, what Paul wants to, us to understand here is that this training needs to be done skillfully, and it, it needs to be done in close proximity, right? So we're at a time when uh, we've got these uh, social distancing rules, you know, six feet away. But when it comes to uh, discipling in the, in the normal cor course of work, you've got to be as intimate as a father is with their son. You've got to know them. You've got to understand them well so that you can coach them properly. Um, being a, a spiritual coach requires that you do it skillfully. Doing it skillfully. Um, Michael Jordan um, is arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. Uh, he was coached by what some feel to be the best college basketball coach of all time, Dean Smith. Um, just recently on ESPN, there was a 10-part series called The Last Dance that chronicles the, um, the Chicago Bulls in their sixth NBA championship in 1998. A part of that series was the, the relationship between Michael and Dean Smith. 
Now, there, there was this running joke about Dean Smith. It said Dean Smith was the only person on the planet that could hold Michael to less than 20 points a game. He's the only guy in terms of how he coached. But Michael tells a different story. He says that Dean was a masterful coach. And not only did he teach me how to be a great offensive player, but he taught me how to be a great defensive player. And he was more concerned with me being the best possible player that I could be. So that many, the end result being that folks think that Michael was the greatest player of all time. Now, when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to making disciples, we're not interested in making people the greatest of all time. We've got Jesus for that. But, but what we are interested is creating disciples, verse 12 of, uh, of uh, chapter 2, that have a worthy walk of God's kingdom and glory. In fact, we got a much higher goal that we're shooting for. We're talking about eternal life here. We're talking about the, the core purpose of man, which is to love and to serve God and to share God and his righteousness in the world. We're talking about eternal peace and righteousness and joy is what we're talking about here. Uh, more important thing. So how much more uh, is there a need for skillful coaching? So in this particular text, what Paul says is the three things that uh, the coach needs to um, blend, uh, the three ways of exhortation that need to be called upon are, in, in verse 12, encouragement, comforting, and urging. I want to just delve in those bit by bit for a minute. How is it that this disciple-maker uh, coaches in such a way uh, that the, the person who's being coached walks in a worthy fashion of his salvation? Encouragement. Um, the Greek word there speaks to one that comes alongside to strengthen. Um, we do this kind of stuff all the time, especially as a parent, uh, I, would, I would see my son struggling, and I would come alongside and say, hey, man, you can, you can make this happen. Uh, I can be, I'm right here with you. Encouragement is one of the things that's needed. Secondarily, th there's a word comfort, and it's not the, uh, the way that we would traditionally think of it in English. It has this notion of encouragement, but towards an activity. What it says is, yeah, um, it might be an admonition, or consolation, but the goal is for you to get the thing done. So it's to come alongside someone. I remember I was uh, uh, working at American Family, working for a good friend of mine named Steve, a Christian. And um, I had given him a, a report that was for a high-level executives, and it wasn't good. And Steve came into my office and dropped the report on the table and said, Lloyd, you can do better than that. So I'm going to give you another two hours, and we're going to get this right. And he turned around and walked out, and I was a little upset until I read the report over and saw how bad it was. And, and, and I worked on it, got it much better. Took me a day more than two hours, but I got it much better. And it was prepared and, and, and more, much more acceptable. Comfort is not just about pampering. It's about uh, admonition sometime and consolation in order to get someone to, to live worthy in a, in a worthy fashion. Lastly, it's urging. This is this word that Pastor Nick has been talking about, marturio. This is this, this witness, this bold witness. 
And the issue here is that I'm going to encourage you in the faith by telling you my own personal testimony of how God is working in my life and how he's worked around me, martyrio. And so these three things being blended are the ways in which we exhort a person to walk in holiness. And so I reached out to a person at our church that I knew, and I said to them, young person, about 30, and I said to him, hey, have you read this verse for me? Uh, can you think of anybody who has been this for you? Um, encouraging, uh, modeled holiness, and then encouraged you towards it, holiness. Anybody like that? And it didn't take him but a second. And he says, yeah, Lord, I can think of a couple of people. One was kind of more of a, of a peer, and then another was two guys here at our church. And they invited me out uh, for breakfast, and they would always encourage me. I'd tell them about what was going on in my life and in my marriage, and they would say, hey, man, I know that's not working. Why don't you, why don't you try this? And here are the things that we've seen in our own marriages that have been really successful. And he was like, Lloyd, this was really um, necessary for me because I didn't really have, I don't really have a great relationship with my own natural father. And so these spiritual parents are now building into me in a way that I had not had before. Spiritual parents. All of us can do this kind of thing. We need to be involved in this kind of work. So how can you get involved in that? Well, there's a couple of things I want to commend to you. Uh, first, you can sign up for mentoring. You can become a mentor at High Point Church. And I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to be 50 or 60 years old to do this. Um, you can be 30 and we can find you someone maybe one life stage below that you can mentor. Uh, sign up at highpointchurch.org for women, for, to, to mentor women, and also uh, for men. And then the other thing is this, and this is the one where I am starting to apply myself even more particularly. I'm saying to myself, who are the guys that are around me that I know kind of respect me, that I can reach out to and provide this kind of spiritual coaching for? Who are the folks around me? And I would suggest that all of us take inventory. If there's one thing I'd like you to do uh, on the heels of this sermon, I would like you to take inventory of the people around you in your life that um, you can speak into, that you can encourage, that you have enough of a friendship with where this particular kind of relationship would work uh, for you. So over this series, we've been talking about the essentials of being an effective disciple-maker. We've said a disciple-maker is a bold and trustworthy messenger. One of the weaknesses in Christendom is to encourage us all, not just a few folks who happen to be in parachurch ministries that highly emphasize this, but to encourage average, ordinary Christians to be bold and look for open doors to share their testimony and, uh, and to take God on, on his word that he will strengthen and encourage you to be effective in this. We need everyday neighborhood soccer mom 
witnesses, business person witnesses, teacher witnesses. We need that. And then we need loving and self-sacrificial shepherding. You know, the thing is, as I've talked to people in, in, in their lives, you know the biggest hindrance? Time. I'm too busy. I'm going to school. I'm working at night. I'm too busy. I got kids. I got a wife. And I don't know how I'm going to find the time. And when we look back over these examples of these traveling missionaries, some of them who left families behind to go out on the field and then worked uh, in, the, in the evening so that they can minister into the day, we have to honestly say to ourselves, man, we can sacrifice some time to mentor two or three people. Come on with me. We can find the time to, me to mentor two or three people. And then we need to be models of holiness. And this can be intimidating, but God has called us to us. He says to us, be holy as he is holy. And he has provided us with all that we need to walk in holiness. So the thing we need to be here is to pay attention and to not let your guard down. And not to ignore uh, your routine besetting sins, but to pay attention, to note them, to find a trustworthy friend, share them the struggle that you're going through. And, and hold yourself accountable. How's it going? How am I doing in this particular area? Have, have someone ask that question. You can grow in holiness. God has provided that what you need. And then a skillful coach that we need to find some, some sheep to shepherd. They're available. If you open your eyes, God will put the right people in your place. Yes, indeed, you can't mentor everyone, but God will give you because this is his word, um, this is his plan. He will provide for you the people that you can appropriately mentor and help grow in Christ. I'll close with this. First Thessalonians 2.12 and B says, this, we're talking about the, the, the final goal. Why do we live like this? Why do we witness? Why do we shepherd? Why do we uh, coach? Why do we role model? And the verse says this, encouraging, comforting, and urging us to live lives worthy of God. It's all for God, who calls us into his eternal kingdom and his resplendent glory. And I like the way that Paul talks about this to his other protege, uh, Titus, who's pastoring in Crete. And he sends him a similar note. And he says to him this in Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, that is, Jesus has appeared with his gospel and the church and all that God has equipped us with in order to live godly. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, to the whole world. Nobody's excluded, Jew or Gentile, rich and poor, African and Latino, Asian, all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, that God has come to change our lives. Because he knows that holiness is good for our souls. He knows it's good for our health. He knows it's good for our minds, right? And he knows that it, it has benefit not only for this life, but also for eternal life. 
say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. For what reason? While we wait for the blessed hope. What's that? The appearing of the glory of our great God, that would be Jesus Christ and Savior, who's coming for us. And we all long, and during times like this COVID-19, where people are dying, and we're fighting politically, there's unrest, wars and rumors of wars, where we just want peace, we want life the way it is intended to be, where God is our God and we are his people, that that is the goal, his kingdom, his glory for all men. So that he, Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all filth and wickedness. That's what we look for into heaven. No more sins on my part, no more sin on anyone else's part, just life as it was intended to be, peace and holiness and seeing our God and rejoicing. You think we had good worship earlier? We're rejoicing in the face of Jesus to purify ourselves so that he will have for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good? Let us pray. Lord, we, uh, Lord, you got an awesome vision for your people. It's a high calling. Uh, greater than being the greatest athlete who ever lived. But to be a part of your kingdom, your, your family, to bask in your resplendent glory, that's our hope. And to do this as a family, with all the saints, with the hope that we can reach all those around us with this awesome gospel that has the power to redeem and restore all mankind. Lord, you've given us this great vision and this wonderful opportunity. Help us to walk worthy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.